we made this. Life's Milestones, the podcast about life's milestones here on the We Made This Podcast Network. Every fortnight, I speak to a different guest about the milestones in their life. Birth, relationships and death. Or alternatively, naming ceremonies, weddings and funerals. My name is Mark Adams and I am a humanist celebrant. That means that I am accredited and insured by Humanists UK to deliver non-religious ceremonies, that's all three, namings, weddings and funerals, for anybody and everybody. This is my podcast and this episode's guest is someone who I would describe as one of life's most unforgettable and positive people. I met Steve Valentino probably about eight years ago now and he made an immediate impact. Road trips with Steve. (laughs) Well, road trips for wrestling were always fun but Steve was one of a kind and we bonded immediately but then ended up drifting apart in different circles. But Steve was one of those Facebook friends that you would always notice their stuff and their stuff always made you smile. So even though perhaps we weren't the closest buddies and we didn't message so often, I was still noticing Steve's stuff all the time, despite the fact we weren't, I guess, close. But lockdown has made me think about friendships and relationships with different people. And this podcast, to some extent, has always done the same. So I was like, right, I'm going to get in touch with Steve. He'd be a great guest. And he basically bit my ear off. (laughs) Love you, Steve. So yeah, Steve is a fascinating guest that I'm delighted to bring to you on Life's Milestones. The boy can talk, so there's no need for me to. So I'm going to hand over to my interview with Steve Valentino. With me at this time is Steve Valentino, poet, wrestler, musician, comedian and Goodness knows what else. Welcome to Life's Master and Steve. Hi, Mark. How are you, mate? I'm all right, thank you. How have you been? Yeah, I'm. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm keeping on, and I'm. I'm keeping myself as positive as as possible right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everyone's vibe. The the best you can, right? Absolutely. That's all. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. So, welcome to the podcast. Before we get into the birth, weddings. Funeral stuff. Yeah. I'm going to do a cheeky little guest profile. Okay. So first up, how old are you? I am 31 now. Yeah, 31. My goodness. I think the last time I saw you, you're about 24. Yep. I, I think that's absolutely accurate. Yeah. I think so. It might have even been younger, to be honest. Yeah, because we knew each other way back and then ended up in different circles. Yeah. But we've kind of like chatted occasionally on Facebook. Yeah, we've kept kept in touch, kept in touch. So, um... Where are you from and what's your background? Uh, I'm from Birmingham, but I'm living back in Birmingham now again. I've, uh, my background has been, I've always been some involved uh, heavily, uh, or at least driven by performing and the arts. And I've always, I remember like if I, when I was at school, if I could have literally just done 
like when I was picking my options, if I could have just done music, art and drama and nothing else, I would have absolutely just done that and been happy. Mm. And then, yeah, I've been uh, always been sort of trying to always been drawn towards the stage and uh, somewhat maybe acted out a little bit, somewhat of an attention seeker. But we know we know each other through wrestling. So, I mean, that's uh, that's that's pretty essential for that kind of thing. (laughs) <laughs> that's true yeah you don't really you don't do you don't do wrestling to be the little wallflower do you so it's been uh, always been trying to find i guess it's just been trying to find ways to express myself really I'm trying to try and make sense of things through art i guess that's pretty much been the constant throughout my life really and that's pretty cool that's pretty cool so tell me about your art what is it that you do that makes you interesting well as as with the intro i mean i've been uh it, it feels slightly arrogant to say what makes me interesting but it's also you know pretty true it's definitely i like it when i go to like say family parties or friends parties and people like they'll be like oh this is the uh this is the wrestler the you know the comedian wrestler the the poet the actor guy that i told you about and i'm like yeah that's that's that is pretty that i guess that is pretty interesting really um so yeah i started i I was in my first band when i was 13 my music teacher asked me she was like steve we've got a band we'd like you to be in it and i was like you know i can't play any instruments right she was like yeah we want you to be the singer and i was like no i can't sing though right and she was like yeah but you've got the right attitude for it Uh, (laughs) and i was was like well that's a fair way i mean it was a pretty good way of setting me up to you know when you lower someone's expectation like i was like okay cool you don't expect too much from me i think i can hit this low bar and always doing drama we when when I finished high school we had we all wrote uh, our little levers books and stuff that we handed around and people wrote little messages and funnily enough I was looking looking at mine uh, the other day and my drama teacher had written in it and she said uh, it has said that I'm driven focused and passionate but I'm also stubborn uh, what was it stubborn hard to deal with but I'd also dragged some great performances out of people. And I thought, do you know what? That's that's a pretty fair assessment of me when I was when I was sixteen, and it's probably a pretty fair assessment <laughs> of me at thirty-one as well, to be honest. <laughs> and then from there, from I'd always I started wrestling when I was fourteen. I started training then, and that was always a passion of mine. And that was again, that was another little point of interest for people at parties. Like, uh, what it, what'd you do that for? So, um, hard to explain. It's, it's hard to justify your own passion when it's such a ridiculous passion. But it's definitely something that I've always loved doing. It doesn't get easier as you get older either, does it? People still think it's weird. Yeah. And you kind of start to begin to agree with them as well. That's I mean. it. Yeah. You kind of, I'm I'm very much like, yeah, no, it, yeah, it, it, it's very weird. I get in, get in my little pants and I get oiled up and I roll around with another dude in front of people for money. That's weird. <laughs> There's no way around it. And then it's, it's, I think I actually, I'm better at how I handle the question much better with the awareness of it now than before when I felt True. like I needed to defend it. Like, well, no, because it, it's an art form because it's physical theater. And while I stand by those things as true, that's not what anyone wants to hear. You just sort of agree with them and go, yeah, no, it is weird. And then it ends the conversation <laughs> rather than it being like, yeah, yeah. Rather than trying to argue with them. I'm just like, no, you are correct. And I'm aware of it. And then, and then we move on. <laughs> so what are you actually working on at the moment? So I, I first started writing, writing poetry when I was, um, when I was 12. 
um, when I was 12, it was a way of me for me to deal with a lot of the, you know, teenage years are difficult anyway. Um, there was a lot of sort of turmoil uh, in, in the home. And I was a very angsty little teenager. And uh, I, Eminem inspired me. I was like, oh, wait, I, I, I want to do that. And uh, I actually listened, the first time I listened to the Eminem song, Stan, my mom let me play. That was the first rap song I was allowed to play in the car. And then I realized that it right. wasn't, she always said it was the swearing that she didn't like. And I realized it wasn't. If and Well, she didn't like it. But if the story was good enough, if you were telling a good enough story and the way you were selling it, with enough, I guess, intelligence and enough of an artistic nature, people will listen and respond to it regardless of whether or not it's their kind of thing. And yeah. it made me realize, oh, so I start, I, maybe I can do that. And it also gave me somewhere for all these angry things to go. I wanted to be a rapper called Razor. Nice. Yeah, because my tongue was sharp like a razor, you see. Clever, right? Can I call you Razor? Yeah, I mean, if you want. I've been called much worse. Um, so, yeah. And- <laughs> obviously i spelt it incorrectly because rappers don't like to spell things right so it was r-a-y-z-a because why because my tongue sharp like a razor i think that that spelling as well almost emphasizes the midlands pronunciation (laughs) razor razor yeah oh god yeah oh wow yeah you can't i couldn't even escape it in my alter ego <laughs> uh, it's, it's great, yeah. And so, but I carried on. I, I, I sort of it was poetry, like I guess words really are the thing that I've always gone back to and sort of writing and expressing myself through that. And currently, with performances and stages and all the fun things being closed and all the all the things that give me oh, some feeling of purpose in life, um, have all been sort of kaboshed. Um, I've now decided I'm focusing on the poetry at the moment and I'm sort of finding, uh, putting it into collections and making it sort of make a bit more sense than what it was at the moment. I have like, uh, I have 80 plus poems that are all written at different stages of my life and different points. And now I'm finding little threads to tie them all together and put them into collections and I'm going to be publishing them. I'm going to be releasing some online and I've also started looking into self-publishing things and Amazon has mm-hmm. this lovely publish on demand service that I was not aware of. Um, so now I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be hoping to make some moves with that. That seems the most poetry doesn't need uh, a stage. Right. And um, as much as I'd love to be at home wrestling someone, that's a bit weird to put on the internet unless I wanted to start an OnlyFans. So um well yeah yeah so i'm gonna go with the poetry instead <laughs> and right very briefly i realize it's completely off topic we're yep. supposed to be talking about celebrity stuff but there's no reason why you couldn't have an only fans that's not just girls you know no it was i could i mean i could but i i mean i i think i think only poetry is going to do enough for me at the moment <laughs> i don't i don't know what i'd even do i mean like cooking with steve valentino i just don't think i have the kind of fan base that i'd want to watch that you know <laughs> okay see we're gonna move on and do the proper stuff rather than talking about only fans and <laughs> cookery um we're gonna talk about birth Okay. So when and where and how were you born? So I was born on the 13th of June 1989 in the QE, the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. And uh, I was I was late. So my mum, uh, my mum's birthday is the 8th of June. 
and I was supposed to be born on the 4th and I just decided I didn't want to be. I wouldn't turn around and <laughs> this all fits with the stubbornness and it has also been an ongoing joke with my mum that even when I was told what I was supposed to do even before I was born I was like no I don't think so. Um so I, I refused to turn around so she could give birth and I carried on. I stayed in there. Uh, I ended up being, I was no, I, I think I was due to be born earlier than that. I think because I, I was nearly two weeks late and ended up being, uh, had to be uh, born by cesarean section. And again, that's another thing. The first thing that I did to my mom was give her a scar for life. So that's, that's <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we have fun in our house, me and my mom. Um, <laughs> that was where that was that was how I came into the world. Yeah. A friend of mine who had a cesarean referred to it as a sunroof birth. Nice, I like that. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll pitch mm. that one to my mom and see see what she thinks. Tell us a favourite story from your childhood. Well, it made me. I was telling my housemate that I was doing this, and I was like, um, and I said, and I was going through the questions, and when we got to this one, we both sort of laughed because like it was like, hmm, okay, because we were just. My my childhood was was it was it was interesting. I had um and but it's hard to pick, you know. Like there was a lot of um there was a lot of problems in in our house and uh, sort of between parents. A lot you know a lot of kids grow up that way and um and it, I was like well which ones and then I was just like and I was trying to think which was the, like my, my my favorite memories as a child and the my, my favorite memories are, are with my are actually with my grandparents, uh, my grandma and my granddad. So we my grandma. And Granddad had a motor caravan, a motorhome, and they uh, they used to take me away every two weeks. We'd go off, we'd just come and pick me up, and we'd just drive somewhere mainly like sort of around North Wales, um, actually Wales in general, and sort of um, and we'd go sort of around England, and they'd just take me to places, and we'd just camp out, and and I'd just be be with them. And uh, my it started when I was one. Uh, my, my grandma asked my mum what she wanted for her birthday. And she said she just wanted a good night's sleep. So my mum was like, <laughs> my grandma was like, I think I'll take the baby. So from then on, really, we we just, we'd always go away. Um, we'd just spend time. And one, one of the summers, I li- we literally spent three weeks, summer holidays and we spent three weeks just going I can't like it's not even like anything specific um but we just went through actually now I'm thinking about it I can think of one really specific one really good bit we we, we just went through Wales and we went to um Sugar Sugarloaf Mountain or Sugar something like if anyone's Welsh listening to this they're going to be screaming at me like you idiot um but I just remember (laughs) being really foggy and my grandma and my granddad and I was only little and we were walking off and um, it was one of those moments where everyone starts to fall down and like, it was really foggy and wet. And I think it was as my granddad was telling my grandma to be careful not to slip. He slipped. Then I turned around to look at him. Then I slipped. And then because my grandma was holding me, I pulled her down. And then we all just sort of slid down the hill a little bit. And it was just one of those, you know, one of those lovely moments where you, well, I mean, I wasn't in pain. I was only a kid. I'm sure they were in quite quite considerable pain. But how old were pain. they? Well, they were in in their sixties, late sixties. Yeah, they, then they'd have been in a lot of pain. Yeah, they would have been. I'm thinking that now. Actually, yeah, they laughed through it. I didn't. <laughs> they didn't let the child know that they'd broke their hips. They were they were good. They were actors. That's, maybe that's where I get it from. Maybe that's where I get the acting from. Maybe. 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 
<laughs> so do you have kids yourself? I don't know. No, I've um I don't have kids. I've I've recently had, uh, there's been a few times when there's been like when I was 18 I thought I had uh I had a girlfriend who uh we were planning we thought like she told me that she was pregnant and we would had did start to plan. And then uh and then unfortunately she lost the baby. Oh. Well, then the worst thing about it was then it turned out later that we found I found out that there, there was never a baby. Holy shit. Well, yeah. And, and that's not the fu- and then that you'd hope that would be the last time that had happened to me. And but it's not. So in like just about to, it's coming up to two years ago, I went to Mexico and I uh, met this this woman, you know, one thing leads to another and uh, and but then. I mean, she was 10 years older than me mm. and she was married. I know I shouldn't have naughty boy. Um, I'm aware of that. Um, but then she told me that I'm going to actually do a whole podcast series telling the whole story of this um, because she, she also t- she told me she was pregnant and, right. and she wasn't going to get rid of it and that she wanted to keep it as a last chance to have a baby and all these things. And I thought about it for a long time, and then I was just. She was like, "I don't want anything from you," uh, you know. And I was like, "Well, if you're, if my baby, if my child's going to be in the world, I'm going to be in my child's life." And right. so I was going to move to America, and uh, we we're going to do all this. I even flew out to see her, and we'd started making all these plans. And then she also lost the baby, and so that was a very like difficult, really like horrifically great, like difficult time for me. You know, just. I was on the other side. It felt like the other side of the world. I felt like I was on a different planet, you know, from from mm. her. And uh, we carried on making these plans because we had fallen in love during this time. And uh, right. and then my friend spoke to her friend and just was like, how is she doing since all this happened? And it turns out that you, you can't, can't get pregnant when you've had a hysterectomy. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, so she'd made uh, all of that up, and it was uh, I, I couldn't believe. Like when it happened, I just did, like I couldn't believe that it like happened again. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, and if it hadn't happened to me, the story because there's so much more to the story. Um, there's so much more to it, and I do, I do want to tell the story eventually. But there's so much of it that just it was just insane. Like and so when I, again when I read that question today, I was like, oh, do I say that? I mean, I definitely haven't had kids, but there's twice that I've thought I was going to, and, and the babies, the babies were, were never well didn't exist. Um, so no, I haven't Bloody got kids. <laughs> Steve, that's yeah. Madness. The fact that once is awful, twice is. Well, mate, you have bad luck and worse luck, and I it looks know. like you've got even worse than most. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's t- it's tough. It was it was it was very tough. It was. Um, but it, I realised that um, it did give me some. You know, you know how you know you, you can choose how you look at things, really, can't you? And you can sort of you know you can either yeah. dwell on the negative or try and find the positive. And it took me a very long time to find a positive. But the one positive that I did find is that at every turn with the decisions I was making, I was making the decision that I genuinely believe was the right choice. And, and even, even regardless yeah. of how difficult it was going to be for me, because you never know, you know, I think a lot of people might think they're 
they're good people or class themselves as good people. And I think some people are, but they might not have been tested, you know, like it's very easy to be a good, a good person when you've had no, no real test in life of your, um, I was going to say morality, I guess. Um, yeah. And the one thing that I did find from this is that I did at the end, I went, you know what? Every decision that I made, I made believing it was the good and the right thing to do regardless of how much it was going to mess my life up from and 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 regardless of how hard it was going to be I was willing to overcome all the difficulties in the hope that that I'd you know be worth it when I held the baby but I mean obviously that was that was never never meant to happen so after all of this, do you still want kids? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I've always, uh, this is why it sort of, it was, it was so difficult. Like the first time, <laughs> the first time it happened. <laughs> Sorry. Madness. It's a ridiculous thing to say, isn't it? But the first time it happened, like the mistake that like I talked with her about how it felt for me was like my dad leaving and stuff, which uh, happened slowly over, you know, mom and dad divorced when I was eight seven no one was seven and then the relationship slowly deteriorated over time and then it ended up Mm. just him no longer turning up and I think part of why she made up the 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 story was that um that she knew what I'd said and what I'd always said was that I'd never want to abandon my kid and I can't wait to be a parent you know because I want to be and I think a lot of a lot of my generation have the same motivation that we want to be the parent that we never got, you know? Right. I know I've seen that with a lot of my, like a lot of my male friends that have had similar situations to me growing up that there's, they're sort of, they work even harder to try and be the dad and the role model and try and better themselves. And um, yeah, I really would love to, I'd love to eventually have, have children. It's, it's something that I think, I think it's really important. I think for me, for, for me anyway, it's really important for me that I, build something and then I pass it on and then what I help them grow and help them navigate through the world because they're also difficult and it can be so hard and I think through all the things I've been through I've learned a lot and I'd like to pass a lot of those things on and hopefully help give help provide a foundation for them to grow from and then Mm. I can't imagine I can't imagine a more rewarding feeling you know than when you've done that and then you you've helped raise that child and 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 also the love you get back so i've got a godson who's eight and i've been in his life since he was born and mm. when we spend time together when he we sit and play when we play like i mean when we wrestle you know like when we when we sit of course play, yeah of course and uh like he'll get me and when we sit and we'll play and then when i sit and read to him or when and he's now reading to me and it just feels so amazing, and it's definitely a feeling that I would like to have with my own children. Brilliant stuff. I'm I'm so glad that those shitty experiences haven't put you off, because I, for what it's worth, I think you'll be a great dad. Oh, thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate that. I hope so. I think, um, I mean, I, I've I've definitely planned it a few times, so I hope I can one day plan it and it actually come to fruition, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you do have kids, let's yeah. you're going to have kids. You're going to be a great dad. Thanks. So when you do have kids, do you think you'll have a naming ceremony, a christening or any other type of ceremony to welcome your children into the world? I think I'm not sure about a christening. I'm not sure where my sort of I don't I'm not sure that my faith sort of lies in any one religion. I think I've studied a lot. I mean, you can always, you, you know, you're always a student, aren't you? But 
there's no like sort of one religion that I'm like oh, that's the one for me. I think there's teachings and lessons you can take from from most of them, and, mm. and I'm not sure that I'd I'd want to dedicate my child into something that would be that that they hadn't had. You know, I feel like that's their choice. Yeah, but in terms of a ceremony, I think that like like with the sort of rise, like say with with the things that you do yourself and the things that the kind of ceremonies that are are available i think it is i think it, i would want to do something to like you said like sort of like to bring them to welcome them to the world and have a sort of here's who they are they're this and then have the sort of the parental dedication and then the 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 godfather godparent type thing i don't know if it would be a god i don't know if the word god needs to be in there but you know the sort of guardians you know people declaring that they would be guardians to yeah. God. I, I like that idea i think that it's something that i would i would want to do yeah I, I don't know what it would be i've no idea what it would be but I, I i think it's definitely something i'd be interested in yeah and so you said you don't know why what you would like it to be have you had any thoughts about what elements you might like to make your own within a ceremony like that i think i mean I being like uh, like well being a poet and a bit of a writer and stuff I think I'd probably write something myself you know something of a declaration mm. to promise of my promises to the child of what I promise to do for them and what I promise to the the cuz I think there's something about when you in front of friends and family and you make the declaration of the of the man that you uh, the, or at least the, the the aims and goals that you you want to try and reach as the as the father, and you do that in front publicly. I think there's something to be said for that, and I think there'd be something to be said for me doing that in front of people, just to reinforce and cement that that's the foundation that I'm going to build from. With this is the kind of parent I want to be, and this is what I want to mm. do. And then yeah, I'd like to do something like that. I think yeah, past that I don't know. Awesome stuff. <laughs> let's move on and talk about weddings mm. and um, the first question is a nice simple one are you married i'm not married no have you ever been married no i haven't been married nor engaged i haven't made that promise to anyone no but is it something that you would want in future do you want to get married do you believe in marriage i think i think what when i was younger i was very much being coming from you know most of my friends come from you know divorced households Right. And so my approach to it was, what's the point? And, and it doesn't mean <laughs> anything. Look at it. You say the words and then you go anyway. You know, angry. Rah, rah, rah. Um, but then I've seen people who made it work. And I've seen people who I realized that it's not. I think I had like this romantic view of what love's supposed to be. And then I also had this idea that that's unrealistic. And it's because it is unrealistic. You don't meet someone, fall in love with them. And then the rest of your life, you're happy. Because you said that I love you, you love me. Sweet, cool, job done. Like that's just not how it works. <laughs> and, no. and 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 you sort of, I realised as I've gotten older that, you know, when you I think to to commit your life to someone is to say, you know, I'm here for all the good and all the bad. Are you? And you're here for me for all the good and all the bad. Promise. You mean it. Okay, right now we now we're we're staying. Okay, and we're gonna do as much. We're gonna do whatever work we have to to make this work. 
And that's not easy, you know, because um, who knows what life's going to throw at you. And, and I yeah. think I, I'd still, I, so I've gone, I've come around to the idea as I've gotten older um, that, that it is something that I would like to do. Um, it's something mm. because for that reason, I'd like to know, like to make that promise to that person that I'm going to stay and that they're going to stay and we're going to make it work. Not that we're going to, not this, I promise for the rest of our lives, it will be rose petals and it will be clouds of love. Like it's not, not that like, but to promise yeah. that you're going to be there through thick and thin and make those vows in front of people. I see, I see yeah. the value. I'm still not a hundred percent sure. I d- yeah, I, I see. I see its value when it's done with the right intentions, and so I would. I mm. think I would. Yeah, I would like to. I'm not sure what kind of ceremony I'd want, or what kind of um, how I'd want it to be done, in terms of like the specifics. But um, I think I, I see. I do see its value when it's done with the right intention. I think going back to what you said about naming ceremonies, how you'd like to write your own promises to the baby. It seems to me like you're the perfect candidate to write your own vows. And when it's done right, writing your own vows is just so gorgeous, man. I think that's I think it would be that's exactly what it would have to be. It would have to be something personal, something something honest and something that's specific to the to myself and to the person that I was, you know, professing my love and making the promise to. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I, I what it would have to be. I mean, like I love the idea of of being uh doing what you do you know like I, I'm, I'm not sure i would put the work in and the time that you you've done to make it actually viable but the idea of, <laughs> of, of um, hosting the ceremony hosting the ceremony but of um leading the ceremony and doing that i think i would just uh, like for someone else it would be amazing so for me the idea of like say standing up in a church and some priests that i've never spoken to apart from uh, you know four meetings talking talking yeah. about who this 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 oh and in the eyes of god like no nah, come on that's not for me but having someone who was creative and did know me and did know the woman i was marrying and wrote something specifically for us i think that would just be a beautiful day you know and a beautiful thing to do mm. so I, and i wrote something and she wrote something yeah i think if if i was gonna do it that's the way that i think i'd want it to be done yeah yeah you know, you said hosting a wedding. You're not that far from the truth. When you think about it, if you have got a couple with their own vows and you've got Uncle John reading a poem and then you've got <laughs> the little kids doing a little interpretive dance, whatever you want as part of a humanist wedding, you can have it. Mm. So in a lot of ways, you are almost like a compare as a celebrant, depending on the ceremony, but you're not actually that far wrong. But I, I would never do it in a church. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would do it in a deconsecrated church. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because they are pretty buildings. They are pretty buildings. Very true. But um, I, I think the one of the true joys about my job is helping people to craft their wedding for them. And once you get it into their head that you don't have any conventions if you don't want them, that you can do that. And I think writing your own vows is the start of that. And then you kind of progress on from that to other things. Well, we could do this. We could do that. We could have Auntie Petunia singing. Whatever you want, you can have, you know. 
I think it's as well. It makes it because it. They say it's the most special day, and it's like, well, if it's if you're just getting a cookie, uh, like yeah, you might be might be picking the hymns, you might be picking the readings, but if you're just getting a bit of a cookie cutter version of a wedding, you know, obviously it's still special to other people. I'm not just. I'm, I don't mean to talk talk bad of anyone who's had that kind of wedding. If, uh, but I just mean for me personally, it would mean so much more to have built it, and like. Uh, again, I, I keep, I feel like I keep saying foundation and building a lot, but it's, <laughs> it's what it is. It's building, it's it's forming that foundation that is uniquely yours that you build on and you make the pledge to then, yeah, to properly build the rest of your life on. And I think it's, I think it means, I think it shows the investment as well. You can't, yeah. you, when you when you're putting together the the ceremony and you're literally forming it in whatever way you want. You can't just be like, yeah, I'll turn up in my suit. You know, you you actually actively yeah. part of it, and you. I think you. The only people who are really dedicated to someone are willing to put that time in. You know, and I think it's. Uh, I think that's why there's been a rise in it. I think as well because it's. I've. I mean, I've seen the popularity grow mm. myself, and I think it comes from that. I think people have turned away from the typical. They want it to be personal. They don't want, especially in in a world where, you know, you can feel so much like just a number. And just another march along to your job and all that. You can have a day that's uniquely yours just for you. Well, you and your partner. And I think that's beautiful. And that's the thing. People have always been, right, I want the exact type of Sylvanian family on the top <laughs> of the fucking cake. But they're not that specific about their ceremonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that completely befuddles Crazy. me. And that's why I love my job is mm. I kind of nudge people. So you know the exact type of branding you want on your plates, but you don't know what you want the celebrant to say. And I think almost educating people that, you know, this part is as important as what you're having for dinner. I think it's educating them to express their love as well. I think like, I think it's people like, like, like you said, for me, it's like for me to go, Oh, I'm just going to write my vows. That's like, yeah, no worries. You know, like, yeah, I'd I'd feel pressured. I'd want to make them perfect. Well, not perfect, but I'd want to make them as close to perfect as I can. I want to express myself as honestly as possible, but it wouldn't. And I'd, I'd rake myself, myself over the coals about it, but it's not a daunting process. Whereas for people, to, yeah. and that, so for me to put my own personal stamp on that moment, it's like, yeah, I can do that. But I think for the, you know, for your average person who maybe doesn't feel artistic or maybe doesn't, but they can go, well, I can make this choice. And they'll put that, they'll put that energy into the choices and they'll do that there. Whereas if you can hold their hand and help guide them through to make, take even more ownership of the, of the day, I think it just, it, I think you're, you're helping them take it from, this is, this mm. is a day that's special to, to me to, oh my God, this is my, well, our, I keep saying my, <laughs> this is our <laughs> day for us, you know, it's wicked, bro. It's really cool. Yeah. It's a really cool thing you do. The loveliest thing that ever happened with me and written vows, personalized vows was I was talking with a couple and they said, right, give us a, a word limit so that we can both get an idea of what we're going to write. Mm. I said, okay, make it 500 words. They both, completely separate to each other, without awareness of the other one doing it, completely broke the rules and wrote a 1,000 words. Nice. Lovely, yeah. And yeah. they both broke the rules in the same way. And I was like, <laughs> fucking hell, that's love. That is really cute. That is really cute. And, and, and I actually put that as part of their ceremony is they even break the rules together as mm. and it's just lovely you know yeah, that's really sweet man. 
I love my job. <laughs> I, can, I can tell. I can tell, and I can completely understand why, man. It's wicked. So we've got an idea of what you'd want for your perfect wedding, but all important question is, what song would you pick <laughs> as your first dance? You only get to do this once. I know, I know. Well, here's the thing, right? Let's. I don't know that I would get to choose it, right? But I think... True. I think... I wouldn't... So I've not got any song that I would be like, that's my song that I want to dance to. So it would have to be something specific to us. And so I'm going to take... So currently, I mean, if she listens to this, it'll be interesting. But um, currently I am I am seeing someone and and say for, for us, if... Like, there's a few songs that are quite, you know, quite special to us. Mm. So it would be one of those. And it's cheesy. It doesn't, like, I thought, well, this is really cheesy. But it is what it is. Like, I remember the <laughs> like the first night that we sort of, we, 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 we actually, like, spent the night together. Like, um, and I was, I, you know, when you're so excited and nervous to be, like, lying next to yeah. this person that you just, like, have all these feelings for. And you're like, oh, and you can't sleep. And you're just, <laughs> yeah. just like, no, I'm not going. And in my head, I was going over and over because I feel like I have like a like a bit of a brain radio playing quite constantly. I call it my little radio, and it's like nice. play songs that I'm I, even when I don't want to listen. And it just kept, Aerosmith kept playing in my head because we'd listened to it earlier. Just it happened to come on YouTube, and so like it just it, my I was trying to sleep and I was I could stay awake and I was like, shut up, brain, shut up, brain. And I kept singing this song in my head. And so like, and then I was like, oh, that's so cheesy. But it's also connected to, because I told, like I told her the next day, I was like, yeah. She was like, did you sleep? And I was like, not really. (laughs) (laughs) But then also, you know, we watched The Greatest Showman together. And there's, you know, there's there's a song, um, A Million Dreams. Oh, so lovely. Yeah. And we've, we've sang, you know, because, you know, in my band, I sing, she can sing. You know, so we've like, you know, sang and sang that to it, like, and slow danced and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, it, it'd be something, it'd be one of, it'd be probably that, to be honest, but it'd be something along those lines. It'd be something very specific to us, regardless of how cheesy and uh, corny the song might be. But it would be something that was rooted in our relationship. It's your day and you can have cheese if you want. In fact, I know a couple that had, they didn't really like cake. So they had a wedding cake made of cheese. Brilliant. Brilliant. And that's that's <laughs> their right. And they should do. And that, that's wicked. <laughs> that's really good, actually. I've got a lot of friends that would. Put, no, actually, I've realised. I just thought of a few friends that would be ecstatic that there was cheese. And then there would be a massive, massive portion that would be like, are you serious? There's no cake. So I'd, uh, I'd, I think I'd probably have to just get a bit of both. Okay, so we're going to move on to the final section where we talk about death. And the first one is the big one. Yeah. Are you scared of death? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm scared of dying. So, me, so hold on, let me, I'm, I'm, that, that's a different question I was answering, actually. So, I'm not scared of death. I, I've been, I've had a few people close to me that I've lost. And the, the idea of death doesn't scare me. And when it comes to, am I scared of my own death? The only thing that I'm fearful of is, I, I, there's so many things I want to do. And I've always wanted to do, I, and I, you know, it's the, the curse of the having such lofty ambitions. But 
what does scare me is the thought of of dying before I've had before I feel like I've done the things that I want to do and 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 as I've gotten older my this the the, the old big bucket list that I uh, that I wrote when I uh, I can't remember how, I can't remember how old I was I think I was I think I was sixteen when I wrote it. And I put different mm. things on it, like so. There's, obviously, there's different things on it. It's what, the, what a bucket list for. But um, I'd r- put different goals, so it was like before twenty, before thirty, and then in my lifetime. And and that's changed quite drastically <laughs> over over <laughs> the years. I like I'm to not look, surprised. Yeah, I like to look at it and go, hmm. Well, that's hmm. Oh, oh, I did do that one. Okay, that's good. Um, but. I'm so I'm I just I hope that I don't I hope that I I get a a bit more time I just wouldn't like to I wouldn't like to um I'm not scared of dying I'm just scared of feeling like I've 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 left too much on the table I hope that when it when my time comes I can at least look and go the time that I had that I was lucky enough to have I did at least something with it you know that seems a pretty good way of looking at things man and i think you did mention that you've lost people yeah and is there anyone that you particularly want to mention you've experienced the death of a loved one yeah well um there's a few so the first time that i i experienced death was um when i was eight and that was my my granddad and mm. it was at a time when mum and dad were splitting up and, and things were a bit rocky and as i said my grandma and granddad were the were the, the real constants for me and very much an escape uh, escape route for me at times. But what that did for me when that happened, because I, I turned around to my grandma at eight years old, and I was like, okay, grandma. She's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start coming away with you all the time. And she was like, okay. She's like, because you need a man to be on the road with you, because I can tell <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this little eight-year-old. So I'll and I was like, so I'll, I'll don't worry. I'll change the gas bottle for you, and I'll clean the toilet for you because you know you have to take the toilet out when you're at, in a motor car. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think those were the two big ones, that, the two big pledges that I made for her. But that sort of that happening was one of those you know the, the, I think all of us on our timelines have these points of trauma that that change you know it changes either for the better or for worse and 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 that's one of the ones that sort of made me see responsibility and see that it's important to take it and that helped with my my home life a little bit it helped with with my mum uh and our like I mean it made it very <laughs> made it very rocky at times because you know trying to be the man of the house and stuff but it did also mean that as we've gotten older our relationship has become you know we've gotten a lot closer and I I very much when she's needed someone I've been able to be there that's incredibly mature way of dealing with grief as an eight-year-old kid that's that's incredible really I think I just saw it as the I saw it as a as a gap I think I think just now talking about it then I think I think it was the combination of my oh, because also when my dad, so when my dad moved out, um, we joke about this that I turned to my mom and I said, <laughs> and I was like, "Who's going to do the cooking now, mom?" And then she was like, and then it, I actually ended up not all the time. I wasn't an eight-year-old doing all the cooking in the house, but that's also <laughs> when I started to learn how to cook and stuff as well. And so I started doing because my dad had always like cooked. Um, so my mm. mum likes to joke about that and we, we do still joke about it but I think it was the, the combination of those things that I saw 
I guess it was an absence of, of the male role model and then me seeing that that as a void to fill, I think. Um, right. Yeah, so it's, actually that is weird to have done as an eight-year-old, isn't it? <laughs> there are more weird things to have done as an actually, eight-year-old. Actually, yeah, you are correct. And I definitely did some of those as well, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, as as you know, like we met through we met through wrestling. Um, mm. And when we met, we met during a time when I was... I'd stopped and I was just sort of coming back, trying to come back. So yes, I'd so originally my I started training with uh, with my best friend when we were fourteen. We did the whole backyard wrestling thing. We you know if we saw a mattress we stole it. If we could get and we'd made a ring for ourselves. Well, I say a ring. We put the mattresses together in the garden, and we have these wonderfully <laughs> embarrassing but also absolutely brilliant uh, videos of us in the guy it's fantastic we absolutely on christmas eve me and my housemate watched it and we were just dying you know we've got like, a, like promos to camera with our american accents we've got awful wrestling gear well not wrestling gear awful costumes terrible like just awful it's awful <laughs> but it's hilarious and it's god bless us we're trying and it meant the world to us you know? and yeah we started training together then we debuted together we were a tag team uh, we were a tag team called the emo express um, of course you were. Yeah, so we came out to My Chemical Romance and... Um, Even better. Yeah, hairspray, about eight. I used to have like five different scarves on. I'd make the ref wait till I took them all off, you know, yada, yada, yada. All of those <laughs> things. And then we, our plan was to go to... We were going to move to America uh, and go, go and train. Um, and he was doing the three-year course at college. I was only doing two. Uh, and then just when it was getting towards the end of his time at college, uh, unfortunately, he, uh, he took his own life. And we, right. we lost him to suicide. So, and that was, that was the, like, it was just so out of the blue. It was such a, and it was such a, you know, you expect old, no, no, that's rude, but you do expect older, older people get older and then they get a bit older and then they're dead. You know, that's, that's kind of how it works. But you yeah, know, he was, he was 19 and I was 18 and, um, and it really, rocked me it really just it, it just took something away that i had no idea could be taken away yeah because i at that point you know like, so i'd lost the granddad and that's you know i understand dad had, had, had sort of gone and that didn't really make sense but he wasn't around anymore but a lot of my friends had all gone through that same thing it didn't make it easier but it was it was a thing that happened right but with this it was just it was just absolutely devastating because I'd, I'd had my my thoughts about it you know, I'd had time, I'd been a very mm. depressed kid and I'd thought about, you know, the, the, the conversation with myself about suicide wasn't one that I hadn't, uh, was new to me. I, I'd thought about it, but like, I'd never, I'd never known anyone actually do it. So yeah, to, to have that, it it just, it, it took a long time for me to, to sort of, to, to heal those wounds. And it, it made wrestling sort of, it took wrestling away. It took, uh, you know, it took a lot from me. But it also then, without those things, again, like we said, like you, you try and make a positive out of, uh, out of a negative. And obviously that's a hell of a negative. But the positive <laughs> that I have found is that it's pushed me to do the things that I do and, and, and with share and, and also talk. It's pushed me to You're talk right. honestly about how I feel and offer support to people with a patience that I, I wouldn't have had before and I also an understanding that it can anything can happen we all me and my little group of friends we call it the Tommy effect 
that you know if mm. something's going wrong with someone we will be there you know like anything because we know something we know the worst version of this you know and so there's been countless times when we've had people sleep, sleeping on our sofa you know when they've been down people are always caught and people all come around they know that they can come to us and it's uh it's something that's very much shaped who um who i am and, and my outlook on things and for the better you know it made me a stronger better person you know i think as tributes go something practical like making sure that you look after other people so it doesn't happen oh, again yeah. that's incredibly positive steve I'm, I'm pleased that we've got that i'm pleased that that's the way that that's i'm glad that that's what it did i mean it didn't always like it, it didn't it, it definitely did a lot of damage and i went I, I did definitely go off the rails for a while for a while i mean i moved out and I, i'd worked i worked two summers living out in Mali in greece with all the lads 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 just so i could drink every day so <laughs> it definitely right. it definitely sent me off the rails to a place i didn't need to be but the overall result is that there's a lot more openness in our in our circle of friends there's a lot more support we offer than i think a lot of guys get i mean there's countless times when friends of mine have brought friends of theirs to me you know so we can right. sit down and talk because i just i think i just um i've just spent so much time trying to understand it and trying to understand what takes someone there and then also working on ways to take yourself out of those places and um mm. to have found those things and at least it's like you said it's a, it's a, it's at least a tribute or a, some form of positive to take from it you know absolutely so we're going to move on and talk about your funeral now yeah and have you decided whether you want to be buried or cremated part of me wants to be cremated so that i can be taken around and moved around and you know, you can take me with you when you move to somewhere else. But then it's it's a thing for someone to be faffing and worrying about and looking after. But then being, <laughs> it's the same. But if you get buried, then you've got a headstone to be to be looking after as well. So I I think I'd like to be buried. I think because I think that's I think that's what's supposed to happen. You go back into the earth. But if I got cremated, I'd like to be scattered somewhere. I, th- I want to go back. I think I want to go back into the earth. I think that's the cycle. I think that's what's supposed to happen. Uh, so he, I think, I don't know. I think cremated. I think cremated, but I haven't got a place where I want to be scattered yet. But I think I'd like to be cremated. So it seems to me like at the moment, the only two legal options are, in Britain at least, cremation and burial but there is talk about things like planting a tree and using someone's body as a almost like a fertilizer you build the tree around the buried body is that something that would perhaps be more along your vibe yeah i like that yeah go and see valentino's tree yeah i like that Steve Valentino. Valentino, let's do it. Let's do it. Let, well, not let's do it yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> eventually. Eventually. When I've done all the things on my bucket list, then we can do it. Yeah. You've got another 40 or 50 years yet. I mate, hope so. Um, I've cleaned up the way I was living. So I think <laughs> I, with the plan, the plan is to make it at least another 40, 50 years. Well, at least another 50 years. So I hope. Brilliant. I hope so. Yeah. 
So maybe person trees will be a thing by the time you have to worry about this. Yes. Yeah. And then I can maybe get some artwork done on it. Yeah, I like it. I'm already I'm already seeing it come into life now. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, do you know, uh, it's a weird thing to say. I do a lot of research on death. <laughs> and um, there's some weird and wonderful environmental alternatives that are kind of being looked at and experimented on and proposed. So this question might be a lot more complex in oh. 30, 40, 50 years. What's some of your favourites then that you've seen? Like what's some of the what's some of the other options that are available? There's another one I liked that was um water cremation. Mm-hmm. That is it's less harmful to the environment, but does the same effect as a cremation by fire. And then you still get the ashes because if you didn't know, ashes are actually flailed human bones, nothing to do with the fire. Huh. So it's done that way. The other one I like is um the nice old simple donate your body to science. Actually, yeah, because I was just thinking, I was thinking, because I'm, I'm definitely going to be an organ donor if they'll take them. And so, like, because I, I feel once I'm done, definitely do the best, the most you can with my body. So, yeah, actually, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe science. I'd, I'd like it. Once I'm gone, I'm gone. And I'd rather be, I might as well be used for something good. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably, I'd probably put some caveat onto the kind of science it goes towards. I don't know what. But like, you know, I don't want to be, I'm just trying to think some of the things I don't want them to do. I don't know. I don't know. But I think, yeah, maybe, maybe donating my body to science. Yeah, that sounds good, actually. So um, have you thought about what reading you might like to be read at your funeral? Well, like, as we said, all the way, like, all like throughout, like the sort of the personal touch is um, what I'd, what I'd want. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have some great writers around me and also just my family. I'd want something personal. I think I think I'd want it. I want like, I'd want the ceremony to be personal. I'd want the, I want the readings to be personal. So I'd write, I'd want someone to just, you know, to write about, you know, about me and and their relationship. So when my grandma died, um, I wrote, I wrote the eulogy for that. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever written. Mm. and it was even harder to say but of course it was something I was proud of and I was proud that I got to do it and everyone afterwards came up to me and just said how you know how much it meant to hear me say it I didn't I didn't do a prayer I said can everyone just bow their heads and I don't mm. believe personally I, I'm not, I mean I was in church as well I was like personally I don't believe in God but um I do believe in my grandma and I'd mm. like you all just to just think, cast your mind to her and think of just your favourite memory with her and see her and live that memory right now. That's lovely. And I believe that as long as you, you, you keep someone's memory alive, you keep, you keep you know, you, as long as you, you keep, no, oh, come on, with something along the lines of, yeah, as long as you, you keep, in, keep in their memory alive, keep them alive in your heart or something like that. And I do believe that. I believe that you keep people alive by talking about them and, and never forgetting them. And I think it's special to do that. So, yeah. You know, I hope someone can write something like that for me. That's what I hope. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Yeah. I think there's very much almost like a balance of make sure in your life you do things that make a difference to other people that means that your memories stay alive and you, you live on beyond your death. And if that isn't humanism, in a couple of sentences, I don't know what is. Yeah, you'll have to send me some stuff, man. I'll, I'd like to. Um, I'd like to learn more. Let's learn more about uh, about like just the human uh, humanist practices and stuff. It sounds sounds very interesting, mate. 
Well, I mean, the very brief thing I tend to say is atheism tells you what I'm not. Mm. Humanism tells you what I am. Mm. And that's the important difference. There is a cheeky little Am I Humanist test on the Humanists UK website. Right. It's a little bit hokey, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I did get 100% humanist, but I would. <laughs> I'll send you the link and I'll put it out on my uh, Twitter as no, well. For this. I think, because I think it's important that, you know, like there's so many things that um, people have, so many rises of certain isms. Uh, so even in my lifetime and then like sort of doing, studying the arts, like for, for as long as I have and stuff, there's been so, so many isms that have risen. And a lot of them, when you break them down, it's not that what they are anything, it's that they are telling you what they're not. By, defin- by other definitions of what pe- they think they're supposed to be. Exactly. This is a good ism, and it tells you what I am. That's And that's what I think people are missing, you know, because to sit there and be like, well, I'm not this, I'm not this. I'm not... Yeah, cool, but but what are you, though? Mm. So I, you can say that, and that's a fine place to start. You know, you can go, I know what I'm not. You know, like, if you're making your, you know, you're making your list of things that you want from a job you know you sit there and go yeah. well, i don't want that i definitely don't want that i don't want that and that's fine but then you go but what do you want yeah and i think that's that sounds good man yeah that's exactly the kind of philosophy i'm coming from but i want to know from you mm-hmm. what music tracks do you want for your entrance reflection and exit parts of your funeral it's hard not like i i can't help but think of slightly funny things right so that's what i was thinking and i was like but would i do them you'd be surprised how many of the funerals that i have done have had quite strong elements of humor and the argument is they were funny in life why shouldn't they be funny in death i mean i feel like i'd probably i i'd almost want my entrance music you know like (laughs) for like the problem is it starts with never fear your captain's here and I, I i think brilliant and i feel like that that would be i don't know if that should be at the starter at the end or probably even the reflection i mean i think it works in all levels what song is it it's uh so it's it's by my band actually i'll send it to you so it's called anglo uh, we've got a video it's literally if you type in the jacks anglo on youtube you can see the video it's pretty cool man it's a dope video. Starts with a lovely drone shot over Birmingham. It's pretty wicked, man. But the wrestling version, yeah, it's so it's, it's never fear your captain's here, and then swinging drums, and then Valentino, and you know, I feel like, especially if I, if something happens to me in the next few days, that's what it's going to be. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, right. We've just talked about how things should be personalised. Mm. You have your own theme. What yep. a brilliant thing to use. You wrote it. Yep. You performed yep. it. Yep. And you entered in wrestling to it. Yeah. Why the hell wouldn't you have that as part of your funeral? I think it would set the tone as well. I think everyone would go, <laughs> of course he oh, oh, of course he picked this. Was this his dying wish, was it? You know, like, <laughs> but I mean, if it's my funeral, it's definitely the day that I can guilt-free make it all about me. It's just annoying that I get to see it, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but then, okay, so let's see. Reflection, I don't know. I can't think of a piece of music. I don't know. I really don't. I'm struggling for that one. Um, but there's a song, I think probably, maybe, I mean, possibly there's a... So there's two Flogging Molly songs, right? So Flogging Molly are a, 
Irish, well, kind of Irish. Well, let's say Irish inspired. They they are they are Irish, but the right. music's sort of um, like Irish rock, kind of punk influenced as well. And there's a song. Uh, well, there's that was also my entrance music once. Oh God! Oh no! No, of course no. Sorry, uh, the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Wow! Yeah, yeah that that be that could be on the way in or the way out. I don't know. Some just some nice MCR. Get that in there. Well, yeah, I mean, because I've got. I mean, I'm so emo, Mark. Like, I, I still like. <laughs> I, sometimes I get really happy, and then I'm sad because I realise that I wasn't happy before, and this is what happiness feels like. And then I'm back to being sad again. So I, it's, it's, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a true emo, you know, like <laughs> I'm an emo and a poet. I'm quite happy sitting in a, in a graveyard writing poetry. Um, I just wow. need a raven. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, yeah, I'd absolutely, God, I couldn't not have, have the Black Parade. Yeah, no, for, for, um, yeah, no, it would be, yeah. It'd be, do you know what? There could be any of the ones on that. I'd let, I'd let my, uh, let whoever's planning it take a pick from the, from from that album, but probably just the Welcome to the Black Parade, just for that start of the, I'm sure it's the C, I think it's the C note that starts it and just uh, hit it once and everyone would just be like, oh, fuck off, Steve. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Uh, and then, yes, and then my wrestler music later on. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll go, We'll walk into the Black Parade and we'll leave leave to my entrance music. That's what we'll do. That sets Brilliant. the tone perfectly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> Brilliant. And I love 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 that when people are confident enough to do that for their funerals Mm. it's such a outdated idea that you have to have funerals be sad yeah i want my music mark i want it to be my songs (laughs) yes my chemical romance good stuff yeah even that's my chemical you know so i've got the got the word mine here somewhere So, Steve, it has been a joy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, I've really enjoyed it, mate. It's been really great to talk to you, really. I can't believe how long it's been, but it's been really good fun, mate. It feels, like, it feels like we're just back in the car. I know. Where can people find you on the internet? Right, so I'm on Twitter. I'm, I don't really use it, but I, am, I do hold a space there. I'm on Twitter as uh, Steve Valentino. I'm on Instagram as at Steve Valentino. And I'm on Facebook as Steve Valentino. I've got them all. Good. Yeah. So come and come and say hello. I do post regularly. I've got a um a new project that um do you can I do you mind if I plug that now, Mark? Is that all right? Go for it. All right, sweet. Yeah. So if you come come and jo- follow me on Facebook, I've got a new uh new project that I'm working on at the moment. So a friend of mine, she uh last summer she started teaching uh a young man named Joel who's in Nigeria. He posted on this group. Um, asking if anyone would be willing to volu- to give their time up and help teach him uh, violin because his dream is to learn to play the violin. And there was like 40 comments all pledging their time, all saying, yeah, I'd love to. Oh, this would be so great. Yeah, of course I will. And then she saw it and she, it was quite late, obviously, 40, you know, 40 comments later. And she messaged him just saying, and she commented just saying, yeah, uh, I would, um, I will as, would as well. And he messaged her. And so when she, and it turns out he'd messaged a, like numerous people who'd all promised publicly promised that they were going to mm. pledge their time, and turns out none of them could do it or they ignored. Most of them didn't even reply to him, and it's just like, I mean, isn't that just a t- tells you all about the world at the moment? Everything's for show, and when they actually yeah. came down to can you can you give an hour a week of your time to help this this young man achieve his dream? <laughs> 
No, I can't. Yeah. So she started teaching him. And, you know, he started making great progress. Um, he's doing all the work. She even said, like, he's one of the hardest working students because he's actually putting in the work and the time in between. And they, it was great. And he was doing really well. But then his violin broke. And... Oh no. Yeah, and so he's actually we've got some videos as well that we're going to put up because he's actually <laughs> it was he's got a he's got this big abscess in his leg and so like he can't actually walk and like so he can't, not only can he not walk he can't even play his violin which was was you know like one of his his little moments of solace and 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 escape from all the stuff that he's in and he can't afford to get it fixed. So we were right. talking and I was just like, well, I mean how much would it cost? And we started to price up how much it would cost to get him a new violin. Mm. And we were like, I think we could raise this money. So what we decided to do, because she's a, she's a, uh, she's classically trained. She's a violinist. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a singer, more of a shouter, but I do my best, uh, in, with my band and my, my, <laughs> and, and so, you know, we decided, why don't we put together a little thing of a little fundraiser? And we're going to do what we're going to do is we're going to do a live gig on Facebook with my band well not my band but my, my housemate because uh, we all live on the same floor in our in our building so it's like our little bubble has been our little flats which has been an absolute godsend because we've been like having little jams together and stuff and it's been really wonderful hmm. and so what we're going to do is we're going to do an hour gig uh where we're going to do some uh some of the jacks originals but in acoustic versions with accompaniment on uh from Roxana and from uh, her, her friend Andrea, uh, who they're going to bring the violin and the cello into it. So we're going to have a whole new different sound for some of our songs. We're going to do a few little covers as well. And then they've prepared a few classical pieces that they're going to be performing. And the whole idea is that we're going to be, you know, during the gig, we haven't, we're not announcing the date just yet because it's a little, little further away, uh, but it will mm. be in March. And we're going to be doing the live gig and we're going to be setting up setting it up so people can donate and, and help us get to our goal. And we're announcing the goal. We're going to be announcing the goal this, I think we're doing it this Sunday, actually. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think so. I don't know. We're, you know. we're announcing the goal soon. And so yeah. people are going to be able to donate and help us try and keep, uh, you know, try and help him pay for, pay for the violin. But we're also going to hopefully, the, the, the aim is to be able to buy a few more instruments for other, uh, other kids like him in his village so that they can start on their path to trying to achieve their dream as well. And it's called the spirit of the music because the idea is that we're hoping to, to keep the spirit of the music alive with, with donations and with help. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. Steve, that's fantastic. Get on spirit of the music on Facebook. If that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me talk about it. And thank you for, I've just had a great time, mate. It's been lovely to talk to you. Yeah. And you've made me more brummy. I can hear myself talking to you. I think it's brought out. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. Well, thanks, our kid. All right, mate. Two hours of it. Thanks, Bab. <laughs> 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 Lovely to talk to you, mate. I'd just like to say one more time, thank you so much to Steve for his time and his stories that he shared on Life's Milestones. Now... When it comes to Spirit of the Music, I'm going to be going to that gig. I'm fascinated by the idea of a indie band being accompanied by a violinist. But that's to some extent because I've always quite liked experimental music. But beyond that, 
you can't argue with the cause. What a brilliant thing that Steve is doing. For more updates, please do check out at Spirit of the Music on Facebook. There have been some more updates since I recorded with Steve. So go and check that out. Find out when the gig is happening and check out their update vids for that. To be honest, I'm also going to be putting a lot of Steve's stuff regarding Spirit of the Music on the Life's Milestones Twitter as well because it is something that I personally want to support because what a brilliant thing it is. And that's it for this time on Life's Milestones. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you in a fortnight. Life's Milestones is a podcast on the We Made This Podcast Network. The show's host is me, Mark Adams. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MarkAdamsHC. You can also find me on Facebook. Just search for Mark Adams Humanist Celebrant. My website is humanist.org.uk forward slash Mark Adams. Regular listeners to the podcast can claim a 10% discount on my fees for a naming ceremony or wedding. Just make sure you quote milestones when you get in touch. The theme tune for Life's Milestones is performed by Zach Reagan and the logo was created by Carl Bryan. Follow the show on Twitter at Life's Milestones. Thank you for listening. This is Tony, Network Chief of We Made This. As you know, our podcast network brings together a brilliant assortment of talent who talk about all kinds of pop culture content, such as the episode you just listened to, or maybe you're just about to listen to. We're not going anywhere, but we'd love to keep the lights on for even longer if you're able to support our network on Patreon. For just £2 a month, you get your name in lights and the satisfaction of knowing you're helping us produce more great audio. And for £3 a month, you'll get your name in lights, but you'll also get access to an exclusive bi-monthly podcast from the We Made This Talent Pool on podcasting, pop culture, and, well, you tell us. We'll take your suggestions. For less than the price of a coffee per month, you can help keep We Made This going. Just head to patreon.com forward slash we made this, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash we made this and get the ball rolling elsewhere on We Made This. Between the notes. So we've, we've got another Netflix uh, series and accompanying score, uh, The Queen's Gambit by Carlos Rafael Rivera. Um, did you yeah. watch this over uh, Christmas? Did you see it? Well, funnily enough, I had, uh, at the start of last week, I had two days where I was working from home before I was going into a whole new job. And because I thought I was going to be working from home a lot more than I am, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to watch The Queen's Gambit in one day. (laughs) (laughs) Blimey. So that's what I did. I watched all seven episodes of The Queen's Gambit in one morning and afternoon. So yes, I have seen it. And it's sublime, isn't it? It's, it's a really, really good. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm saying that. I'm assuming. Did you think that as well? But... I no. I, I, I think it was <laughs> Sorry. Shipwrecked and comatose. A red dwarf podcast. So, with my track record, have you worked out where I'm going with this?
<laughs> I, I, I have now, yeah. I have now. <laughs> Would it feel different if you had a wank? Probably. <laughs> but the thing is as well, it might it might be different. It might be different even with the left under and the left under though. Right. Different pace. It's a different pace. Yeah, and also, you know, it's a different cock. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Speaking of that, list, um, Chris Barry looks down. Well, not Chris, uh, Rimmer looks down, doesn't he, at some point? <laughs> yes, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> We dig music. I am amazed this made top ten. Oh, I'm, so, oh it's really good. Um, I really am. <laughs> I do not remember what this <laughs> exactly. is like at all. I, all. My only comment when I was actually listening to it is bit nothingy. I think it's really good, um, although it does suspiciously sound a lot like Sting's uh, Shape of My Heart. What? It really does. The, the guitar melody okay. is... Very much like it. It's got beautiful guitar and vocal. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network.